As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to take a deep dive on one of the most complex and perplexing aspects of integrative medicine. It's uh, how we deal uh, with complex patients, patients with a wide variety of bewildering symptoms that defy diagnosis and that defy conventional treatment, uh, and then often land patients in the offices of integrated physicians like myself and today's guest. She's Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Uh, She is an expert in something called MCAS, Mast Cell Activation Syndrome. She is a much sought after speaker and a thought leader in the field of integrative medicine. Uh, She was a previous guest a couple of years ago when we introduced this paradigm to our audience. Uh, It's relatively new. Uh, It's really taken the world of integrative and functional medicine by storm because it helps to explain why some of our patients seem to be allergic to everything. They have a bewildering array of symptoms, uh, pain symptoms, autoimmune symptoms, uh, and fatigue symptoms. And uh, through better understanding of mast cell activation syndrome, uh, we can often bring them relief of their symptoms. Dr. Dempsey is an expert in chronic disease and autoimmune disorders. Uh, She specializes in complex diseases that affect multiple body systems. She received her MD from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, which is quite prestigious, and her BS degree from Cornell University. And she's a staff member of Greenwich Hospital in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Her practice is the AIM Center for Personalized Medicine, uh, here in Westchester, is that correct? Westchester uh, County, correct. New York. Yep. Okay, uh, a near neighbor of uh, us in Manhattan. And so, without further ado, uh, Tanya, it's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, congratulations on uh, your accomplishments in uh, communicating uh, some of the most important findings in this field. It's it's complicated. Uh, you have really done a deep dive on this subject, and and you're to be commended for doing that on behalf of your patients. So good stuff. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Hoffman. Sure, my pleasure. So uh, help us with a a little bit of a primer on this condition, because 
for some people, they are aware of the term histamine intolerance. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that might mean, okay, you know, I have to avoid uh, histamine foods. You know, they can look this up. Now, you, there's tons of places you can look it up on the internet. Uh, it, is it as simple as all that? Oh, yeah, I, w I wish. Um, right. Yeah, you know, I think the, the biggest misconception about this disorder is that it is, um, it's only about histamine, and it's, um, you have to have a, a allergic symptoms to qualify for having disorder, this disorder. And I think the important thing to understand is that this is a, um, a syndrome um, that affects, can affect multiple parts of the body. We call it multisystemic, um, and it's an inflammatory condition. So wherever you can get inflammation, wherever there's mast cells, you can get inflammation, and it can manifest in a variety of different ways. So these mast cells are, are white blood cells, and they're really your first line of defense against the environment. They're supposed to help you fight off viruses and bacteria and parasites and, and other things. And, you know, really, everyone has them. Um, the, what we're talking about is when these mast cells become dysfunctional. So they're not just acting the way they're supposed to act in response to the environment. One of the ways they react to the environment is they explode, degranulate, we, we say, and they release chemicals. And one of the chemicals is histamine, um, and that may be a problem for some people, but there are really over a 1,000 chemicals that mast cells can make. We can't even measure most of them. We can only measure like a handful. And so these various chemicals cause a wide range of symptoms depending on the part of the body it's it's happening in, depending on um, how many mast cells are there and doing this. And so it's, it comes, it's a really big, uh, it's, a, it's a complicated, um, a complicated situation. Um, and, and yes, histamine can be a part of this. You know, I, I certainly don't want to discount that, but I think it's important to just for us to understand that it's it's much bigger. Okay, so uh, in terms of diagnosing it, uh, you know, typically doctors will measure histamines. Uh, they may mm -hmm. even measure uh, something called tryptase, which is another one of those you know, hundreds or perhaps even thousands of substances that are released by uh, mast cells. Uh, can you arrive at a firm diagnosis that way and say definitively, okay, this person has uh, MCAS or mast cell activation syndrome? Yeah, I think, look, I think what what's most important is that we look at the data, and, and you really do need data to support this diagnosis, but it's also a clinical diagnosis, mm -hmm. you know, that people have to have, the patient mm -hmm. has to have a set of symptoms that you know, are suggestive of it. So typically what we do, we, we go by what we're, we term the um, consensus two criteria. We published on this, myself and Dr. Larry Afrin, who's really one of the world's experts in MCAS. And, and by the way, just for, for our listening audience, you know, maybe we have health practitioners who are listening or, or wonky listeners. He's written a really definitive book explaining this. Uh, and I found that book really yeah. a, a paradigm shifter for me. Uh, it's a little tough to wade through because it's, it's, you know, professional grade it, it's really uh it's dense. Yeah, yeah it's dense <laughs> but could could you just reference that book that that's an important resource uh especially for health practitioners sure um uh, it's uh um don't bet against occam i believe it's the full title um occam is o-c-c-a-m and um yeah and, and the premise is you know sort of occam's razor was sort of this way of thinking of i mean it's based on a on a medieval um, person, but um, and what he said, but basically it's about um, 
not putting all, uh, well, let me put it this way. Like doctors tend to um, like to separate things. Mm-hmm. If somebody has high blood pressure, mm-hmm. somebody has uh, stomach problems, somebody has headaches, right? And, and so, you go to 14 different specialists. Doctors. You know, you go to like the gastroenterologist right. for these symptoms and the psychiatrist for those symptoms and uh, neurologist, uh, you name it. Dermatologist, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but, you know, if you go by Occam's razor, you, you say, well, maybe they're all related. Maybe there's really one explanation mm-hmm. that kind of fits it all, puts it all together. That, that slices through all these at- diagnoses, that, that it cuts right. right through them. And that's Occam's razor. Okay. And that's, and that's MCAS. Mm-hmm. That's really what we believe. It really is the diagnosis that, that can explain for, for certain patients the entirety of their of their clinical picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I interrupted you so, when you were about to explain, you know, yeah. when we might suspect MCAS in a in a patient coming to us. So we published the criteria for um, for diagnosing, and and to be clear, there are sort of now two uh, schools of thought on this. Um, and one school, um, we'll call them the consensus one people. They, they tend to really rely on the triptase as a, as a marker of, of MCAS. And our consensus two group, we don't, um, feel the same way about triptase for a variety of reasons. You do not need triptase to diagnose MCAS based on our criteria. What you need is at least two markers. It could be histamine. It could be some other chemical that we can measure. It could be triptase, but again, that doesn't happen very often, at least in MCAS, mm-hmm. um, but it may be often in other conditions. And um, we measure urine, we measure blood, we measure heparin, for instance, in the blood. Heparin is a blood thinner. And if you're not taking that as a, as a blood thinner, um, your mast cells can make it if you have mast cell activation syndrome. And we measure that. That could be a marker we use. So we look at you know a variety of things, and I like to have two two markers or mediators to support that the mast cells are, in fact, dysfunctional and are, in fact, degranulating and, and acting inappropriately. So what do you see in terms of the types of the, the wide array, the bewildering array sometimes yes. of symptoms that patients uh, present to you? And, and many patients, a typical patient that might see you might have seen, you know, a dozen or more doctors already, and they've sort of given them a bunch of medications yeah. to try and suppress the symptoms, um, but often to no avail. Correct. Yeah, so, you know, um, patients come in, so, so again, this is a multi-system disorder. It's very rare to have a patient who only has one symptom. I'll take, an, I'll take for example, migraines. Migraines mm-hmm. are a very common mast cell symptom, but if they only have migraines and they really have nothing else, and you've explored every, it's unlikely that they have true MCAS. Mast cells are involved in that process, but they may not have true dysfunctional mast cells meeting diagnosis. So the patients, the majority of the patients who come in at least to see me have multiple symptoms involving multiple parts of their body. Migraines may be one symptom. And, and I find it interesting. Sometimes patients, they've lived with migraines for so long, they, they even for, sort of forget that it's a big part of their life because they have these other symptoms that are even more debilitating than that. And that can be debilitating. And so, um, yeah, patients can have, it's basically every organ, mast cells are really everywhere in the body, every organ, every tissue, because they're protecting us from the environment. So wherever they are is where they can, you know, you can manifest the symptoms. And 
What, what happens with classic allergies is you can really pinpoint them. Uh, you can do blood tests, which give you an IgE rash that shows, for example, very high to cats or to dust or to uh, trees, grass, etc. cetera. Uh, and people are miserable certain times of the year often because it's seasonal, although sometimes with dust, it's, it's year-round. Uh, and then with foods, uh, there are some people who have, for example, anaphylaxis to uh, shellfish uh, or to uh, peanut butter. Those are classic anaphylactic reactions, uh, and they go into a meltdown. But uh, this is different because it almost seems like uh, the patient's with this condition, uh, they're allergic to to so many different things. It's bewildering. The tests don't make sense. They don't. They sometimes the tests say this food is fine, yet the the person says, "Well, I can eat this sometimes, and other times I get a terrible reaction." Right. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's that's that is the frustrating thing. Um, and you know, again, just to kind of go back to the basic science of this. You know, allergies are um, a result of mast cells that um, see a particular allergen. Have, there's a particular um, uh, pathway sort of that happens. There's an allergen. The body makes these antibodies to the allergen that that binds to the mast cell and tells the mast cell, okay, release histamine. And if, if there's too much histamine, right, the throat can close, uh, or you can get just itchy eyes and, um, you know, runny nose and asthma and different, right, different allergic symptoms. That's the pathway. But, but mast cells can react in lots of different ways, they have lots of, not only do they have the, all these mediators that I mentioned, all these chemicals they can make, but they also have lots of receptors. And receptors, I sort of think about as like antennas. They're sort of antennas to the world. And they can read different things at different times differently. So it's not that you're allergic, let's say, to, uh, to chicken, but, you know, it could be that one day, the the communication between the immune system and the mast cell and the food and the digestion has sort of led down this path of a reaction to it. The mast cells are reacting, but not through that allergic pathway. And the problem is there really is no test for that. You can't, and that's the that's really difficult. I can't just say I'm going to do a a mast cell test to see uh you know whether they're um, quote unquote reactive or allergic to chicken. If they don't have IgE antibodies to chicken and they, we don't have that proof, it's hard to prove that that's what they're reacting to. Right. So these, these, these are elusive. Yeah. It's almost as if these patients are allergic yeah. to the, to the world. Or another yeah. notion here is that they're generating the allergies from inside, that their internal state is what mediates their sensitivity to the environment. And it, it, as you say, it waxes and wanes depending on the receptivity of their uh, immune system to, to these challenges. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. Here goes. Intelligent Medicine is sponsored in part by Chromadex, providing healthcare practitioners with a clinically proven vital resource to increase your patient's levels of NAD. NAD works at the cellular level to fuel energy production. It supports some 500 enzymatic pathways in the body. But many factors can cause NAD levels to drop, such as poor diet, alcohol consumption, lack of sleep, immune stress, overtraining, excess sun exposure, and stress. So it's important to supplement NAD reserves. Fortunately, there's a patent 
patented NAD precursor called niogen or nicotinamide riboside, which is the active ingredient in the cellular support supplement True Niogen Pro. Backed by nearly 100 published papers and multiple human studies, TrueNiogen Pro can safely and effectively elevate your patient's NAD levels. TrueNiogen Pro gives hardworking cells exactly what they need to perform at their best. To learn more about the research behind TrueNiogen Pro or to order, visit pro.trueniogen.com. That's true, spelled T-R-U, pro.trueniogen.com. And from now until June 30th, practitioners can get 10% off with coupon code HOFFMAN10. True Nigen Pro is cellular defense for life. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Just going through the body, you know, maybe we can just almost imagine mm-hmm. like a, a mannequin. Uh, you know, starting with, uh, sure. let's start with the skin because the skin is the, you know, external manifestation of sensitivity. What are some of the things that we might expect to see with the skin? Yeah, I mean, there's so many mast cells in the skin. So you can get, if they, you know, release their mediators, you can get hives. You can get skin rashes. You can get eczema. Um, you can, um, Oh, I mean, the list probably goes on. There's all these different dermatologic conditions that ultimately probably have mast cells at, at their root. But, you know, if you scratch your skin and you get like a little um, red mark after you scratch it, mm-hmm. that's called dermatographism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really a histamine reaction in the skin because the mast cells felt that pressure um, of that scrape along the skin. So those are, I think, the most common things we see. And then when it comes to the head, you know, obviously uh, headaches and migraines. Uh, are there eye yeah. manifestations of this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, you can get blurry vision, um, double vision. I've seen a, a you know array of them. I mean, obviously they still have to be looked at. Um, you know, if somebody's having, for instance, double vision, you better see an ophthalmologist and make sure your eyes are okay. But at the end of the day, have I seen that? Have I seen changes in um, in eyesight? Yeah, interestingly, people will say that one day they feel like they need to wear glasses and one day they don't feel like their eyesight is as bad, which is, you know, really interesting. If if we go further down to the, to the sinus area, you know, definitely sinus pressure, sinus infections, or quote-unquote sinus infections, chronic sinus pressure, um, chronic um, uh, things like uh, nasal polyps, um, vocal cord polyps, things that affect growth. You know, and I'll, I'll say, I'll st- just mention just for a moment that I mentioned earlier that mast cell activation syndrome is an inflammatory condition. There are really like three main themes that MCAS presents as, and we have that allergic theme you can have allergy or not. You have the inflammatory theme. And that third theme is really abnormal growth and development. So mm-hmm. they can drive the growth of cysts and nodules and things. So we see those things like polyps and other things growing on uh, in the nose or in the, on the vocal cords and things like that. So, And staying with the head, yeah. you know, the brain, of course, yeah. in the head, uh, what are the, the brain or the mood or the psychological ramifications of uh, MCAS? Yeah, you know, the neuropsychiatric, uh, neuropsychological aspects of, of MCAS are, are really, are really profound. There's, 
again, lots of mast cells in the nervous system and lots of mast cells in the brain. They work alongside other cells in the in the brain um, to help protect us, to help fight off infection. Um, and so, um, yeah, if they interact with the the neurons in the brain, um, the other cells of the brain, like astrocytes, you can get this inflammatory state in which you're, you get severe anxiety, panic attacks, depression, um, obsessive compulsive disorders, um, eating disorders. There are a number of, I would say that just about every psychiatric condition could be linked to MCAS in some way, whether the MCAS is the true driver or whether there's already underlying mental illness is always it's a little bit hard to piece apart. But MCAS can certainly exacerbate underlying issues. I will say that we have seen things like uh, other conditions like autism um, associated with MCAS, behavioral issues in children. Um, may may be related. Um, attention deficit disorder may be related. And so those that's the brain. Okay, so you know? moving south, uh, we've got the lungs, yeah. we've got the digestive organs. What are some of the manifestations there? Yeah, and the lungs, you know, some people have true asthma, but some people just have um, a little bit of uh, sensitivity into in the bronchial um, tubes. You know, they they may um, get some shortness of breath or, you know, on occasion wheezing. Um, uh, you know, I think that's probably, you know, yeah, I think that would probably be the main things for the lungs. Um, uh, for the digestive tract, it's really, again, lots of mast cells line the entire, entire digestive system. So starting from the mouth all the way down to the anus, you can see a, a variety of different manifestations. Starting at the mouth, you can see uh, sores. Uh, oral ulcers, um, trouble swallowing, um, or or um, some dysfunction in swallowing. You can have uh, spasms in the esophagus. You can have inflammation in the esophagus, like esophagitis, gastritis. If we go further down, um, we can ha- you can have um, gastroparesis or slowing of the motility of the GI tract. Uh, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, seems to be uh, a common association um, that we see often, again, not caused by MCAS, but associated with it and certainly making MCAS worse. So it's a two-way um, street. The MCAS uh, may predispose to SIBO, and SIBO may then uh, amplify correct. the uh, MCAS uh, expression. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it is in a lot of the, of the parts of the body because, again, mast cells are trying to uh, fight infection. SIBO is a type of infection, so the mast cells are going to be um, are, are going to be more on alert in that situation, more reactive. But maybe the MCAS predisposed the development of SIBO. Maybe it slowed down the motility in the gut, allowing the bacteria to accumulate. And so, yeah, it's a little bit, um, you know, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, so to speak. And so you have to kind of, um, when addressing any of these, issues, I always look at all the pieces, you know, can't look at it alone. But, um, but yeah, GI-wise, yeah, constipation, diarrhea, definitely irritable bowel. I hate that term. I'm going to, I'm putting my fingers up in quotation marks. You can't mm-hmm. see me, yeah. but irritable bowel syndrome yeah. Dr. Evil is, quotes. you know, is really, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just don't, I don't, I never bought it. I never understood how we can just tell people, you know, it's just irritable. Bad. There's a reason for it. And now I think there's more research to support the, the reasons and mast cells play a role in this. Um, and, um, you know, I've certainly seen associations between MCAS and uh, colitis, uh, ulcerative colitis, even maybe more so than, than Crohn's. Um, I have a number of patients who control their ulcerative colitis with MCAS targeted therapy. Mm-hmm. So we know that it is, it is doing something. So that's the, uh, you know, some of the examples and of the GI. Even going even further south and uh, what's remarkable is that uh, it can be associated with uh, especially some female uh, genitourinary disorders, uh, as well as male uh, disorders, you know, men with prostatitis, women with endometriosis, women with uh, uh, severe uh, menstrual cramps and pain, dysmenorrhea, it's called medically. Uh, Those, from what I understand, are associated with MCAS. Yeah. Yeah, we published, we actually published a, a case series looking at a number of these gynecologic disorders and how mast cell targeted therapy um, helped. So, you know, again, lots of mast cells in the uterus and the vagina and, and that whole area um, it, for men, for male, right? Lots of mast cells around the prostate. The prostate embryologically is like the uterus. So, so there's, yeah, there's lots of stuff there. And so inflammation uh, can, can result. We know that there's a tie between, um, between for, if we're looking at women's issues, we know the, the link between hormones and mast cells play a huge role. So if we look at, let's say, endometriosis, which is sort of like this um, uh, overgrowth of, of, of basic uterine tissue, it can grow anywhere, it can be very painful. Uh, can cause infertility, can cause a variety of issues for women. Um, we know that it grows because we know that estrogen plays a role. We know that estrogen binds to mast cells. I, I mentioned those antennas that mast cells have, those, those receptors. They have receptors for estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And so those, the interaction between the hormones and the, and the mast cells leads to more inflammation more growth, more immune dysfunction. Um, and so that's kind of how that may play a role, let's say, in endometriosis. It may play a role in in other gynecological pain, you know, pain with intercourse, uh, painful periods, um, excessive bleeding. Uh, I mentioned heparin earlier, that heparin is a, is a blood thinner, and mastils make it. And so if you have, if you're making a lot of heparin in your uterus and you're having very, very, that can lead to very, very heavy periods, um, and so targeting the mast cells there and getting them to stop making heparin could actually reduce the amount of bleeding that, that some women are getting with this. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty profound. Um, you know, the other issue down in that area is the bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, in men and women, you know, I've seen interstitial cystitis, that's inflammation, um, in the bladder also be a result of, of MCAS. Wow. Okay. So it is, <laughs> the symptoms are legion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it suggests that uh, we've got a lot to contend with when we uh, uh, address MCAS. So in part two, we're going to divide our podcast into two parts, as usual. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, solutions, uh, you know, also some of the, the cofactors that that propel uh, people in that direction. It may be that some people are genetically prone, but it may be that certain uh, environmental factors or infections or exposures, uh, say, to mold uh, or to toxic chemicals, 
may move people in that direction, making it uh, such a common phenomenon these days. Uh, our guest is Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Uh, she is an expert in picking apart uh, the causations of complex disorders and addressing them in her practice. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. <laughs> 